Hey, well, I'd invite you to sit back, take a seat, relax. Um, if you snuck in late, um, or in case you missed it, my name's Chris. I'm one of the communicators here at Beyond. Oh, I get this set up. And, um, and something you may not know about me, um, it's not a thing, but I kind of imagine it to be a thing, uh, is that, that I imagine that if they had black belts for hide and seek, I would have one. Um, I imagine that if there was like a grading system for hide and seek, that I would have got like the highest black belt honor. Uh, and the reason, the reason I, I kind of think this is, I don't know wh whether uh, your parents had a room in your house when you were growing up that was like the special occasions room. Uh, my, my parents had this like room in our house that was our special occasions room, which was where like the nice couch was always hung out. I don't know why it was the nice couch, because it was really, really uncomfortable. Like you wouldn't want to go in there. Um, but we had one of these. And so whenever my friends would come over to play hide and seek, uh, we would play hide and seek and no one would ever catch me because I would go into the nice room where no one wanted to be. And up the, the, the way I kind of got my black belt, or in my mind, I achieved my black belt is because right up in the corner, there was jammed one of these nice couches. And so what I would do is I would jump over in the corner and because it was kind of jammed up and had a little bit of a base on it, then I could prop myself up on the base and kind of hold myself against the wall. So that whenever any, anyone came in and dropped to the ground to see if anyone was below the couch, they could never see anyone. And they'd think, well, there's nowhere for else for them to be hiding. And then, this is, this is how, like, this is how I, I reckon I got my black belt. Now, this is the piece de resistance, I think. It's because, you know when you get to that point in a game where you're playing hide and seek and you've just hidden so well that people start to get bored? And they're like, okay, no, seriously, come out, come out. What I would do is I would wait for them to go down the other end of the house and then I would just like pop out and be like, hey, I heard you guys calling for me, like I'm here. And they'd always be like, where, where are you hiding? I was like, nice try. You're not finding out my secret hiding spot because then I would lose my black belt privileges. I'd have to find another secret hiding spot. And so for me, that was sort of how I, I kind of, I was like, oh yeah, right. I've, this, is, this is how I achieve my black belt. Send me into someone else's house, it was game over because they knew all the good hiding spots. But in my house, uh, I was a black belt. And that this whole idea of, um, of hide and seek is really, really important for what we're going to be talking about today. But if you, if you weren't here for the first couple of weeks, let me bring you up to speed because uh, we've been doing and talking about this series called Fresh Start. Um, the way we do things here at Beyond is we'll take an idea or a thought and we'll camp out on it for, for a number of weeks and attack it from a whole heap of different angles. And because and we wanted you to start the year well, we've kind of been talking around this idea of fresh starts. Because uh, what we discovered is that 92% of people who make resolutions or make goals never actually achieve them. And so we said that this year, what we want to help you do is make a fresh start that actually changes your life. And so we've kind of been looking at a, a different, a little bit of a different angle because uh, most people who kind of give motivational speeches or talk about goals, like we said, 92% of people who listen to those don't follow through. And so in part one, we looked at this idea that if you want to step into a fresh start, you have to leave some old things behind. So many of us want a fresh start but we want to smuggle in the old habits that made us need a fresh start in the first place. Then in part two, we looked at the, uh, the number one fresh start killer, which is pride. And no one thinks they've got it, but everyone's got a little bit of it. And if you allow this pride, and if you don't keep it in check, it will undermine your fresh start. And then last week, we, uh, we kind of looked at the secret of success and how so many of us imitate what our friends or what culture or what uh, people who we aspire to be, we imitate their idea of success as opposed to, to uh, defining success for ourselves. And we kind of looked at what Jesus' definition of success was last week. And to wrap this series up this week, we're going to be talking around this idea of hide and seek. Because the truth is that we continue to play hide and seek in adulthood. And some of you are like, huh, what? No, no, my kids play hide and seek. 
Right? My kids play, I don't play hide and seek. Like, Chris, I don't know when, when you got your black belt, maybe you got it last week, but I haven't played hide and seek for like 20 years. And the thing is that, that we play hide and seek when we move into adulthood. We just play it in different ways. Because the whole point of hide and seek is to hide your entire tire self so that no one can find you. And as we step into adulthood, we continue to do this, but we just do it in, in little uh, subtle ways. And we kind of justify it to ourselves, right? So many of us, when, when one of our friends asks, how's your week been? We respond, I'm fine. And we hide that part of the week that was just horrendous and that we just really need their help. We go, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. It's totally okay. Or how many of you at work, when, you're, when your boss or when your manager or someone goes, hey, we're going to bring this new idea in. What do you think? And you sit there and you go, well, I, that's a terrible idea. That idea sucks. So many people will be outraged if we do this. But, but you just sit there and you go, I don't want to upset the apple cart. I don't want to bring my idea out because if I bring it out, then maybe someone will judge me. And so what we end up doing is we hide pieces of ourselves and we do it in so so many new nuanced and subtle ways that we kind of convince ourselves well hey it's okay to play hide and seek as we get a little bit older because everybody's doing it right everyone's playing hide and seek and something interesting that i kind of looked at when i was um when i, I was uh, thinking through this message is that animals if you look into the animal kingdom animals when they freak out when they get scared or when they're not sure what to do, a lot of animals actually puff themselves up to make themselves look really, really scary. You look at frill-necked lizards. If you've ever startled a frill-necked lizard, if they don't run off and if you freak them out, they'll puff their frill out. They'll get really, really big, which communicates to us or shows us that, that an animal can actually look its most scary when it's its most afraid. And so often within our lives, we do the same thing. We kind of puff our chest up. We kind of get really, really big. And we kind of think, hey, if I can get big enough that I can distract people, no one will actually see inside. If I can distract people enough, they won't really know that, that I'm wrestling with something inside or that I'm actually afraid. And, and the same is of animals is true of us, is that we project one thing on the outside while feeling another thing on the inside. You ever done this? You ever seen this in the lives of people around you? Maybe someone you know is has just lost their spouse or just lost their parents or just lost a brother or sister. And you know that that's incredibly difficult to go through. But you ask them, hey, do you need a hand? Hey, is everything all right? And they go, no, no, I'm fine. No, I'm, hey, you need me to take care of the kids for you? Do you need me to maybe cook a meal or come over and do some of the, the, the cleaning or do some of the yard work so you don't have to worry about that? And they go, no, 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 no I'm completely fine. And so they, they project one thing on the outside, but on the inside they're, they're thinking to themselves, how am I ever going to move forward? What is life going to look like without this person in my life? You ever seen that couple that their marriage just looks fantastic from the outside? But on the inside, if you were to get into their house, you'd see that they're sleeping in two separate bedrooms. You'd see that they haven't had a, an intimate conversation and they can't remember how long. And so they project one thing on the outside, but they feel something completely different on the other. And we do this all throughout our lives. Chances are you know a friend who's that helper friend, the friend who helps everyone else with their problems, and they're always going to go, hey, how can I help you? Hey, can I help? And then someone turns around and goes, hey, do you need a hand with anything? Like, what's going on for you? And they're straight away, they're kind of throwing up, like, no, 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 I'm good, I'm good. But the reason they're doing that is because they want to project on the outside that they have it all together because they're afraid that if anyone knew what they were feeling on the inside, it would change their perspective of them. And the problem with this and the, the tension that arises with this is when we play hide and seek long enough, when we project one thing on the outside long enough, 
we begin to believe that that's the image we've always got to maintain. Because we've projected that idea for so long that, well, what would happen if my friends really knew that I, I feel like I don't have it all together. I feel like I need help in my marriage. I feel like I need help parenting. I feel like I need help having this difficult conversation at work. And, and, and what would they think if this projection that you'd put out there was all of a sudden changed? And so, so many of us go, well, well, well I, I can't go to them for help. I can't go to them for my fresh start because I've kind of put this projection out there and so I need to fix it myself and I need to change it myself. And when we begin to think like that, we very, very quickly begin to believe the lie that we don't need anyone help to help us to achieve our fresh start. We say, no, no, I've got this image to maintain and because I've got to maintain this image, I don't need anyone to help me achieve my fresh start. I can't ask anyone is maybe a better way to frame that. I can't ask anyone to help me achieve my fresh start because if I did, I'm afraid of what they might think. And what's so interesting and what we're going to look at today, we're actually going to look at how we can actually achieve a fresh start. And the best context for that fresh start to, to, um, to, uh, for you to see it out this year so that you don't become one of the 92%. And what's so interesting is um, there's a guy, Jesus' brother James, which if you think about that for a second, is just incredible. Jesus had a brother, and his name was James, and James actually wrote a letter that we have access to. We actually get to look at what Jesus' brother has to say. And what's so incredible about Jesus' brother, um, could you imagine if you were James, the image that you would feel like you would have to project onto the world? Like, your brother is Jesus, okay? Mary comes in, is like, Jesus, make your bed. Jesus is like, done. Jesus, did you do the dishes? Done. And James is sitting there, like, watching all this happening. And James is like, man, like, how am I supposed to keep up with this guy? How am, how am I supposed to, like, my brother is God. Like, how am I supposed to follow this through? And what's so, so interesting is, is James, while Jesus was alive, doesn't believe in him doesn't believe he's God, doesn't believe any of the things which he's saying, which, come on, let, let's be honest. Like, if your brother or your sister came to you and was like, I'm God, you'd be like, you're crazy. Okay, you're not God, you're delusional. We should take you to a hospital to, like, have that, to, to talk about that. And James, James actually doesn't begin to believe in Jesus until after Jesus rises from the grave. Which, if you're a brother or sister and your brother or sister came to you and said, hey, what would it take for you to believe that I'm God? Chances are you might say something along the lines of, well, if you could die for three days and I could see it and then you would just appear again, that would probably do it for me. And James begins, when he sees Jesus risen again, be, uh, starts his rise to become one of the leaders of the Jesus movement. And it's so incredible because this person who didn't want to have anything to do with Jesus this person who felt like they had to project this image onto the world, all of a sudden becomes one of the leaders of the early Jesus movement. And John, uh, James, uh, geez, James, not John, James writes this letter to this group of, uh, of the earliest followers of Jesus and talks about how to keep the fresh start and the context that that is best achieved in. And this is what he writes. He says, make this your common practice. In other words, if you want to keep your fresh start, this is something you should do all the time. Not like once a month, not like once a week, okay? Not like once every six months when you think about it. This is something that you should embed into your, a part of your culture, part of your identity. And this is what he says. 
confess your sins to God and pray to God. And that's it. That's beyond done for the day. If you want to have a fresh start for this year, just confess your sins to God, pray to God. Easy. Bonus tip. If you feel like you're confessing your sins to God and it's not going anywhere, just confess harder. Okay? Easy. If you feel like you're praying to God and it's not working, just pray harder, okay? Easy. No. There's more, right? Because the problem, I think, for so many followers of Jesus is you look for a fresh start and you do this. You go, oh, you know what? I'm just going to confess my sins to God. I'm just going to pray to God. And the reason that you never, ever experience a fresh start is because you do this very thing. And some of you are like, hang on a minute, but it's not what James wrote. James said to confess to God and to pray to God. James never wrote that. This is what James actually wrote. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Isn't that weird? Because we would expect, right, and so many of us act as if James wrote those words and Christians act as if James wrote that. Oh, just, just, just pray to God and confess to God and it'll be all good. But the brother of Jesus actually says, no, 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 you need to confess your shortcomings to each other and pray for each other. And the reason he says this is because James hasn't had an insight that we often miss is that God is relational. The very reason Jesus stepped into history was to repair a relationship, to make a relationship possible with humanity and God. And the very thing that that James witnessed his brother doing, he says, hey, as followers of Jesus, you should do this too. You should not live in isolation, but you should live in relationship, not just with God, but with other people as well. And so he says, and the best way to do that is to tell each other your shortcomings and to pray for each other. So that at the same time as you're praying for someone else, they can pray for you as well, and you can go through life together in relationship. Because that is what is at the center of Christianity, this whole idea of a relationship with a God who is willing to give his life for you. And, and I get it, right? I understand that some of you, you've been Christians your whole life, and you're sitting there, and you're like, well, Chris, you know, like, come on, come on. What if, what if I get in a circle, right? Like, I don't really need to be in one of those circles. I don't really need to confess my sins to others and pray for each other because it's my faith, right? It's my faith. It's between me and God, not between me and other people. And so many Christians, we've, we've kind of like, I just don't know how, how we can convince ourselves of this because James writes this. And James writes it because he saw Jesus talk about it and live it out. Jesus didn't say, oh guys, just if you get yourself right with you and God, that's it. Just leave it there. No, Jesus said if you want to experience a fresh start, it needs to be done alongside others. And you need to be praying for others at the same time. And if you're here and you wouldn't consider yourself a follower of Jesus, I, I totally understand. And I'm not necessarily trying to get you to pray for other people because chances are you don't believe in God. So why would you pray to God? But all I'm trying to get you to understand is that we are hardwired for community. We are hardwired for connection. We're hardwired for relationships. And so the best place for you and for me to experience the fresh start that you want for you or that maybe you believe that God wants for you is to experience that around other people. Because what happens if we don't is that we, we, we encounter this problem, the problem of hiding. Because when you say, oh, it's all right, I'm, I'm good, it's just me, you become that parent, that mom or that dad. And you, your child is having one of those moments 
and all of a sudden you don't know what to do and there's noise everywhere and you're kind of freaking out. And in that moment, you think to yourself, does anyone else go through what I'm going through? Does anyone else feel what I'm feeling in this moment? And when you don't have that community around you, you have no one to turn to you and say, hey, it's okay, that, that happened to us as well. Hey, it's like, hey, hey, here's what we did to help us move through that. In those moments when you begin to hide, what happens is nobody, uh, when your marriage starts to have cracks in it, you don't have anyone to turn to to say, hey, did this happen to you? Hey, did, did, do you feel these same things that we do? Do you feel the, the struggle to try and prioritize each other? Do you feel the struggle that, to try and make time to spend with each other? You have no one in that moment to say, yeah, we, we feel that exact same way. And we experience that exact same tension. When your kids start to move off to high school and they start to look to their friends for guidance more than they look to you, when they start to go out to parties and make decisions that, that you don't agree with, and you start to think to yourself, like, did we say something wrong? Did we do something wrong? Did we miss the mark somewhere? When you live in isolation, you have no one to turn to to say, hey, did your kids go through this same thing when they were in high school? Well, how did you handle it? How did you respond? And we end up with this problem of hiding. And the reason James says you need to get around other people, the reason James said you need to get out of isolation is because he knew that a fresh start is best kept in the context of community. A fresh start is best kept when there are other people around you to support you, to love you, to care for you, and when you can do the same for other people. But then he kind of adds this kicker. He goes, here's the reason why it's so important that a fresh start is best kept in this context. He goes, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that. In other words, here's the result of what happens when you do that. You can live together whole and healed. You can live together whole and healed. Because there are so many, and maybe you're in this room tonight, maybe you're or this, today, you're one of these people who you've come here this morning and you're thinking through this and you think, you know what, Chris, if someone, if someone really, really knew me, they might not like me. If, if I could be genuinely honest with someone else, maybe they'd push me away. But this is the problem with isolation. When you are just doing it on your own, isolation tells you, figure it out on your own. Isolation tells you that addiction you have, that fear that you have, it tells you run away, turn into yourself. But the problem is, is while that feels good in the moment, what happens is isolation just adds fuel to the fire of what you're already going through. Isolation just adds fuel to the fire of depression. It adds fuel to the fire of, of the cracks in your marriage. And sooner or later, as you run away and as you go and hide, sooner or later that problem is bigger and it's caught fire more than you could ever have anticipated. And so James says, I don't want that for you. And the truth is here at Beyond, we don't want that for you. But the only way that you can move past this problem of hiding is to get in a group where you can confess your sins to each other and you can pray to each other so that you can experience living together, whole and healed, so that you can step out from underneath the problem that isolation uh, brings. So in order to um, get us to do that this morning, what I thought was just go and grab someone who you've never met before and then just confess your deepest, darkest secrets to them and get them to pray for you. That'd be easy, right? That's awkward. That's weird, right? That would be so weird if we did that, okay? Phew, take a breath. That would be so weird if we were to do that, right? Why? Because 
because you don't walk up to random people and just tell them your deepest, darkest secrets and they go, oh, by the way, could you pray for me? No, because what James is talking about here is there's a context. There's a context that this happens in and it doesn't happen in rows. It does not happen when you are sitting shoulder to shoulder with someone. It happens when you're sitting face to face with someone. And we have this thing here at Beyond, it's called our Four Monday, which is kind of like the application of everything we do. We like to kind of like neon light it so you kind of know, oh right, that's, the, that's the, the thing, that's the application point. That's how this can change my life this week. And our application this week is, is really simple. We want you to stop hiding and we want you to join a connect group. Stop hiding, join a connect group. Stop thinking that you can do life on your own. Because right, there's that tension when you're shoulder to shoulder and someone's like, go on, tell them your deepest, darkest secrets. You're like, uh-uh, ain't no way that's happening. But what happens is when you get face to face with people, when you're in a circle of people who know you and you know them, all of a sudden it's really easy not to hide anymore. All of a sudden when you're in a circle of people who you know have your best interests at heart and they know that you have their best interests at heart, all of a sudden it's so easy to stop hiding. And so we have these things, you, you probably have heard us say all the time, that beyond just doesn't happen on a Sunday. It happens throughout the week. And the way we do Beyond during the week is in connect groups where groups of four to six people gather around together where they might talk about what we spoke about on the weekend, but more importantly, you can connect relationally with them. You can grow spiritually with them. This is the environments that we create so that people can say, hey, you know what? Yeah, I know it looks great on the outside, but, but on the inside, our marriage is not where we want to be. Hey, I know it looks like I just bought that new house and I just bought that jet ski, but man, we are in so much debt and we do not know what to do. Hey, we are really struggling with this transition period from primary school to high school with our kids. We don't, we don't know what to do. Can you give us a hand? This is the place where that occurs. And so this, this week, I want to challenge you. Um, as we begin to launch them at our AM experience I want to challenge you, you can pull out your phone right now and you can go to www.beyondchurch.com.au. Click on the card that says, I'm new and tick, I want to join a connect group. It's that simple. And someone will be in touch with you this week as we begin to, to build connect groups because we want to build environments for young families and for everyone where they can sort of say, hey, you know what? Life is not going well and I want a fresh start, but I need your help with it. Because what happens when you get in a connect group is you get known. And when you get known, some really incredible things can happen. It's really scary to be known. But the greatest thing I think that when you get known, what happens is this. That it closes the gap between language and action. When you get around people who can hold you accountable, all of a sudden, the words that come out of your mouth, I want my marriage to be better. Or sorry, the language, that's the action part. The, the words that come out of your mouth, I want my marriage to be better. I want to be more present for my kids. I want to get my finances in, uh, in line. All of a sudden, the words that you say begin to line up more with your actions because you have got people around you to every week go, hey, how is it going? Did you set time aside this week? How did you guys kind of have a day without phones where you could connect together as a family? Hey, I noticed you got a new pair of shoes. I thought you were saving. Like, what's going on here? Where you can hold each other accountable and so your language and your action begin to map up. And... and being in a group will not, will not stop your language and your action misaligning. Because no one, everyone has that problem. Everyone has that issue where they say one thing but they do another. But being in community allows a group of people to get around you who can challenge you and love you 
to have your language and action be as close together as they possibly can be. And I understand that some of you will be like, ah, yeah, I don't know about that. It sounds uncomfortable. It sounds easier to be in isolation. And the truth is it is easier to be in isolation in the short term. But the reality is, is that nobody achieves anything of significance on their own. You might like to believe it, just like I like to believe it sometimes. And then I open Google Maps when I have to get somewhere. All of a sudden, I didn't achieve something on my own. If you've ever pulled out your phone to Google a restaurant that you want to go to and you've read the reviews of other people, you haven't achieved that on your own. And it's almost like we get to a point, right, as we grow up where we kind of forget that there was a point in time where we needed other people's help. We forget that there was a point in time where our parents did everything and our carers did everything for us. And then, and then when you become a parent yourself, you kind of uh, you realize like, oh no, hang on a minute, I have to do everything for my kids. And my kids maybe couldn't survive without me. There are things that you need to help your children with. And we almost forget that there was a point in time where we needed other people around us. And although we may believe, hey, I can get to this point where I can do it on my own, the truth is that nobody achieves anything of significance on their own. And so this year, you have the opportunity to experience the fresh start that you want, that God wants for you. But it will involve you stepping in to a community, getting people around you who can support you and who can pray for you. And in 12 months' time, you can look back and you can say, you know what, I really did step into a fresh start this year. I really, at the start it was uncomfortable. At the start it was awkward, but then I got known. And then people began to support me and the gap between my language and my action closed. And now I'm experiencing, I'm further down the, the road this, at the end of this year than I ever thought I could be at the beginning. That's the story you can tell at the end of this year. But will you? The ball is in your court. It's up to you to stop hiding. And the first step to do that is to join a group. Let's pray. Jesus, it is so easy for us to go through life and hide. Because the truth is, isolation is, is often so easy. And it feels good in the short term, but the reality is we need people. And you've designed us for people. And as difficult as it may be to, to get in a space where we're known, to get in a space where, where we share our weaknesses and we share those areas that we fall short with other people, Lord, I pray that people would begin to take that first step today. They would quickly punch it in on their phone and go, yep, I'm in, and then throw it away and think, oh, geez, we'll just wait and see what happens. Lord, I pray that, they would, that that step, that courageous step to kind of jump into a group would be rewarded. Lord, I pray that the people who take this step will get to the end of the year. And no matter what happens this year, they'll say, you know what, I am just so glad that I get to do life alongside people who are willing to pray for me who are willing to call the best out in me and who are willing to hold me accountable to what I want to be and to where God is calling me to. And Lord, we pray that today could be a day where people's lives are changed in the best possible way. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.